0: wow that clock is working against me it's not the lord at all clocks are not from the lord amen says on earth as it is in heaven and there's no time there i'm overwhelmed um (laughs) isaiah 6 you're gonna just sing it i i don't know if you know (laughs) like If you look at Isaiah 6 and you, you see this, this amazing prophet is before the Lord. And he sees the train of his room filling the temple. And immediately, because he's faced with holiness, he says, woe am I. <laughs> if you would see what you've been called to. Pride would be eliminated from your life. And the pain of being hurt by people would be gone. If anybody had the right to be hurt, it would have been our king. I hope you're ready because I'm going to bring something so burning in my heart for the whole body of Christ. He says, Woe am I, I am a man of unclean lips. And it's true that God, that a seraphim came and touched his lips with a coal from the altar. Now a coal, I want you to think with me. A hot altar that is burning. Have you ever seen a fire? Do you know what a coal is like? I want you to picture with me. Someone taking a coal with a pair of tongs and taking it and touching your lips no, hold on, yeah, let there be light in Jesus' name. (laughs) I want you to think with me. He took a coal from the altar and he touched his lips with a coal. Is a coal cold? No, 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 no. Close your eyes. You're at a campfire. It's really a nice fire. Can't get too close. Even with marshmallows, you're backing off to get those things toasty. Are you with me? And someone decides to take a coal in a pair of tongs, and you're feeling a little heavy, and they touch your lips. What's your response? Ah! Are you with me? Blisters, all that stuff. But no, it's not that kind of altar. See, it's, it's the fire of the presence of the Lord. He says, I am in in the midst of a people with unclean lips and I am a man of unclean lips. When you're faced with the truth of who Jesus is, he's not, look, sometimes we think that like when we say yes to Jesus, which I'm so happy that y'all said yes to Jesus, it's so exciting, but he doesn't just like want to present himself as an Easter story to you. He doesn't just want to present himself as a Christmas story to you. He wants to touch you not a little bit, he wants to touch you so that your life is never the same. He wants to touch you in such a way to where your testimony when you share it, it's so foreign to somebody that's hearing it because you're absolutely completely different than the one you're sharing about. I, I need you to hear this. This is not just for, this is not just for Todd. It's not, just for, it's not just for certain people. It's for everyone in the body of Christ that have said that they've given their, their self to Jesus. Like, what does it mean to give yourself to him? What does it mean to fully surrender to God? Like, because we got a lot of Jesus incorporated going on in the church, buddy. We got a lot of people that have incorporated him in. I like this church. I don't like that one. I'm okay with this. I got hurt by that. So now I'm here until I'm hurt and then I'll leave. Guys, like we treat church like it's some smorgasbord. We're going to go to wherever we are until we're served. But until we learn how to serve, which comes from utter abandonment, which comes from utter surrender, complete surrender of who you were is no longer who you are. and, And we can't afford to carry any of that junk in through our life. Look, did Jesus like pay a price to set us a little free or did he pay a price for total freedom? Like, listen, there's a lot of people that don't believe they're gonna be free until they get to heaven. There's a lot of people who've been taught that. But if that's true, then death is your savior and Jesus is not. If I've gotta wait to heaven to get free, then the gospel isn't the gospel because my gospel, Paul said it was his gospel, it needs to become your gospel is absolutely a gospel of freedom it says whom the son sets is free indeed well if that's true then why is most of the church why are most of the church people why are most of your friends walking in bondage people are like well I didn't come to hear this then leave I love you but I'm not here to comfort you at all I am not here to bring comfort you can build humongous ministries if you just stay surface, if you just keep the people comfortable and tell them that God's here to meet all your needs. God's not here to meet all your needs. Your one need is you needed a Jesus, but because of a lack of surrender, we think we can just call on him as a sugar daddy. And he's not your sugar daddy, he's your father. Oh, he wants to set you free from you so that you can be free from everybody else. Because if you get free from you, you'll never be hurt or offended again. You come, we come to service and we worship and it's amazing. And I see people crying, I see people laughing, I see people looking at their watch. We got all kinds of stuff. But, but to worship him, we have to worship him in spirit and truth. Without truth, you can't worship him. You will worship, you will worship him in spirit and it'll be flaky because without truth, we're flaky. Jesus said, Then we will know the truth, and the truth will set us free. So, if we all claim to be free, then why are we walking in bondage? Why are we walking in hurt? Why are we walking in offense? Why are we living in a place and calling it ministry? It's not ministry, it's demonic strategy. Set up to get you to think like devil all the while proclaiming Jesus. But one day you'll stand before him. I told you I didn't come here to tickle you. People will heap up for themselves teachers in the last days. And I don't know if you know it or not, but when Jesus was crucified, resurrected, the Holy Ghost was poured out, we entered into them. And so there's so many people that want another message. Let me hear that. Well, maybe this one. Oh my gosh, this one. Wow, that really touched my heart. Oh, this one's really amazing. We've got such a, mix, a mixed bag. Are you guys all right? We'll see. Because I love you. But God, God paid a price. Jesus paid a price. God thought that the price that he paid was worth the life that you have. He thought that the price that he paid was in equal proportion of that which was paid for. In other words, the life of of God's son, Jesus Christ, is the value system of heaven that he paid for each individual that would say yes. So God thought that your life was of great value to redeem, to pay that high of a price for it, to get it back. But he paid a price to get you back to purpose. He didn't pay a price just to get you to come to a building. Your purpose is to destroy hell for a living. But you, listen, it's true. Like 1 John 3, 8, for this reason, Jesus, the son, was made manifest. Why? To destroy the works of the devil. Why won't we believe that unforgiveness ought, angry against somebody else, offended, why wouldn't we call that a work of the devil? Because it is. So a work of the devil has worked its way into the mindset of Christians, so they think it's normal, because this whole facade Guys, I'm, I'm telling you something that is so true. It's more true than it's ever been. Like when COVID came on the earth, the biggest offense came on the earth I've ever seen. The biggest spirit of fear and offense partnered hand in hand. And even though fear has left that in that, the way COVID was, I mean, some people are still in that place, but the spirit of fear left the spirit of offense here. And it's still here on the earth in such a big way. And we call it normal. Why? because there's a way that seems right to a man and we're living by it instead of the way that is right to God. It's as simple as that. Are you with me? Okay, if there's any kind of ought, any kind of offense, any kind of upset because of what they said, they did, he said, he did, the way they used, look, the Bible says very clearly that if somebody despitefully uses you, what are you supposed to do? pray for them. Why? Because they're hurting and they're hurt. But if I can't pray for them, that means I'm being hurt by what they were hurting from. We call it normal because you don't know what they did to me, but it's demonic and it's trying to get into your soul so that you can't be healthy here. And then we wonder why we're sick and we wonder why people die early. We wonder why all that stuff's on the earth in the body of Christ who is supposed to walk in divine healing and divine health. He says, I desire that you'd be in good health and prosper even as your soul prospers. But because our souls aren't prospering, our health is directly affected why cuz you invite the demonic to destroy you oh it's so good but you could be really healed just by getting your soul straight look i love people being born again i love it i want people to come to jesus do you under, go to matthew 28 with matthew 11 28 with me not matthew 28 that's a great commission go to matthew 11 with me Look, I just broke my sound barrier. I mean, you know, it says it's too loud. My decibels just hit my watch. Listen to this, this is so exciting. Are you guys ready? Are you guys like really ready? Do you know what I'm preaching to you right now enables you to fall asleep in 30 seconds? How many of you would love to be able to fall asleep in 30 seconds? People are like, well, that's just you don't know my life. Yes, I do. I know your lack of belief will keep you awake. You think what you want? I've been diagnosed. I get it. Every bit of diagnosis for any kind of sickness, anything, comes from hell itself. The diagnosis isn't from hell, but sickness is from hell. Do you understand that we've disguised it as this, this, you have insomnia, you have this, you have this. No, you have no rest. You have no rest. How can you live and rest if you're in unforgiveness? You can't because you don't believe. What do you mean I don't believe? I'm a believer. No, you believe enough to get to heaven, but you don't believe enough for heaven to possess you. I'm not talking about getting into you. I'm talking about being fully possessed by heaven because we allow all these things to matter more than what matters most. It is true. I don't care if only three of you agree, I'm preaching it. I, I, listen, I have lived in this place of rest for 19 years. I, I haven't had any times when I've been outside of rest for 19 years. I have been free from people for 19 years. You can't hurt me. I will hurt for you. Listen, it's different being hurt by people and hurting for people. You're like, well, you don't know what I've been through. No, you're still in the way. Well, you don't know what they did to me. There's a key word there, it's me. Don't you wanna be free from that stuff, don't you? Like if Jesus says that we can be free, why do you think that like your situation is above his word? Why do you think that anything that you've been through is stronger and more powerful than Jesus saying that you can live in freedom? Whom the son sets free is free indeed. So if you're not free, you haven't been set there. If you're not free, you don't believe you can be. Why? Because we've adopted the way that seems right to a man, and we've allowed that to matter more than what matters most. Boy, this is not going over well. I'm going to live in freedom whether you get it or not. I'm going to live free from you, free from the offense of people. Do you know how many people hate me? I love that. No, no, I'm serious. Understand the culture that you're living in. It's demonic. We have a demonic culture that everybody needs to be liked because they don't know that they're loved. It's twisted. I got to post something on Facebook and get likes in order to feel secure. Even if it's just because you went to the grocery store, who cares? Did anybody get touched? Did someone come to the Lord? And if somebody says, wow, that was amazing, and it puffs you up, and then someone says, you're demonic, and it pulls you down, which? If you're gonna post stuff, just don't look at the comments. Who cares? Post stuff for Jesus and make sure that it's for Jesus, and don't look at the comments. Who cares what people think? God loves you. It doesn't matter. That's what I loved about Reinhardt so much, buddy. He had, like, millions and millions of people looking at his post, and I talked to him. I said, man... You're always posting, this. goes, I don't care what people think. It's the Lord, and he loves me. I'm like, amen, wow. If you're loved by God, it doesn't matter what people think about you. I'm not, listen, I can say, Do you know that Jesus loves you? And you can say yes, but it's totally different to be actively loved by him. If I live in being actively loved by him, not just knowing that he loves me. See, anybody can say, does God love you? Yes. You're in sin and he still loves you. Like you're living in sin, active sin, and God still loves you. Your sin doesn't push his love from coming towards you. Your sin pushes you away from loving him. Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commandments We call that legalism, but that was from the Lord I don't think you're going to get away with that I, uh, People say, well, you, don't, you can't tell me that God doesn't love you No, 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 I'm telling you that you don't love God Why? Because you're actively living in sin Thinking that grace is a license to do whatever you want You will stand before the Lord an answer for your life. There's a judgment day. People are like, I'll oh, pass judgment, brother. Only God can judge me. You got a big tattoo on your chest? <laughs> Whatever. You don't want that. I see people in the gym, big guys like you. Big. <laughs> you a big man. Tribal tattoos and all. But they have a tattoo on their chest that says, Only God can judge me. Right? You ever see it? Yes, you do. You know why? Because they not because you have one. Please don't tell me you got it. Okay, praise God. Because I, I go up to the big guys that have those and I go, tell me you got Jesus in there, bro. What? Like, you miss? No. But here's the truth. The reality of it is, is the reason why you got that tattoo is because you got hurt. So you got hurt in church. Somebody said something like, you're doing something that you shouldn't. So all of a sudden, you get offended. So you get a big tattoo and says, only God can judge me because you got hurt by somebody that, that talked to you and tried to help you with truth. You called it judgment, but it was really just a brother trying to say, hey, this is wrong and it's leading you down the wrong place. What are you trying to tell me? She loves me. So all of a sudden, you continue in your relationship and you incorporate Jesus in because he ain't like everybody else says and you never read your Bible You just think God is love, and since he's love, he's okay with me. No, 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 grace demands change. You can think what you want. But we sing that song, holy, worthy, righteous. We sing that stuff, and we're like, oh, my gosh, that's amazing. And then we leave church the same as we came in. God gave you the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Like, he isn't just the Spirit. He's not just a spirit, he's not, he's holy. And if you see what you've been called to, your whole life will get undone by truth. Your whole life and all of a sudden, the things that you're living in and walking in and and saying it's okay, God loves me just the way I am, you'll realize that God is good, but his goodness is with severity. He's good but he's severe. Like, he's a loving father, but he's a holy judge. He's absolutely wonderful and amazing, but he ain't playing. But the devil is, see? The devil's trying to play and masquerade and twist this thing so that you can just incorporate him in for what you can get from him. Maybe you can have a ministry, maybe you're doing really well, and you need another miracle to validate that you are a man of God. You need another healing to validate that you are a man of God. But you're living in sin and you're living in twistedness. And you think that God's stamp of approval is on your life because a miracle happened through you. But that's not God's stamp of approval at all. God can speak through donkey. Guys, these disciples were walking in healing and miracles before they were even born again. Are you guys hearing me? Like these disciples were like, man, look what's happening. Woo! And they have no idea who they are. And they're orphans with power. And when the gospel comes to somebody and they say yes to Jesus, he wants to create inside of you a heart that is a son or a daughter of God. He wants you to know the Holy Spirit has now moved into you who cries out, Abba, Father, Daddy, God. He wants you to know that Jesus Christ, our high priest according to the line of Melchizedek, sits at the right hand of God interceding for you every day, all day, never stopping. He wants the heart of sonship to touch you so that you can be free from a sin consciousness and live in son consciousness, no longer having a guilty conscience. Matthew 11, chapter, or chapter 11, verse 28. All of you know this. It says, come to me, Jesus says, come to me, all of you who labor and are heavily burdened, or all of you that are weighed down by the issues of life. Come to me and I will give you rest. So that's the born again Christian experience. We come to God and it's like, it's a whole new world. And like everything has changed. In the blink of an eye, boom. Oh my God. Like, do you remember, how many of you remember when you got saved? Like, you gotta remember, it was just recent, right? Come on. You saved? You born again? Okay, because today's your day if you ain't. I love you, man. It's awesome. I do. I'm not picking on you. I just love you. And I see a warrior, one that's been pressed down by everything, crushed by everything, has had to fight for everything that you have, bro. Everything. God doesn't want you to have to fight for what you have. He wants you to know that He wants to help you fight your battles. But it's in your worship and truth of God. And it's in who he is. And you're not the product of your dad. No, I didn't talk to them. I don't need to, I can see it. You're the product of God. Because when you get born again, your DNA doesn't line up with who your father is on earth. Your DNA changes and you get the divine nature of Abba. Now your father, that's your DNA that you come from. But you need to know about your father so that you know what it means to be a son. Come on, it doesn't matter if dad never knew how to say I love you, because that's what was wrong. He never knew how to say he loved you. But the problem is, is that when we get born again, if we live by that, you'll still be living in what you came out of instead of what you stepped into. And now what you've stepped into is a completely different world and a completely different kingdom. And we don't fight like this like you used to, because you used to fight like that not so long ago, because when someone gets in your face, it's over. Because that anger thing, you just break red, done, finished, right? Come on. I used to be the same way, but Jesus set me free from me, just like he's setting you free from you. But you have to learn from him who he thinks you are. It's amazing there's a reason why he's pointing you out right now. You feel that right now? You feel it. Yep. You don't like to be put on the spot. Not at all, bro not at all but i love you i'm not putting you on the spot to point you out in front of people i'm putting you on the spot because god loves you and he sees you <laughs> listen to this next part of the scripture are you ready because this is where it all hits this is where everything changes like if you don't get to this the first part doesn't stick can i come down there freedom. Woo. Give me a hug. Come on, bro. It. You, when I was speaking those words to you, the fire hit you. I know, bro. It's his presence. He loves you. But he's, he's way more real than just a confession. A confession is one thing where we're like, yeah, okay. All right. I'll try this. Sometimes confession is, I'm going to try this and See what it's like. And it's a completely different world. So the world you came out of is completely different than the world you stepped into. Like he stepped into you. Like it's different. Like the Holy Ghost went, came inside. You were like, whoa, this feels weird. Like what is this? Well, now you got to learn what it is. And if you don't learn what it is, you'll still think the way that you used to think. And if the way that you used to think, that's survival. That's like every man for himself. That's like look out for number one. But in the kingdom, you look out for him, he looks out for you. It's completely different. It's amazing. Yes. Is it possible to hear his voice in every situation? Is it possible to hear his voice for everyone that you see? Is it possible? It is. Why? Because I'm in love and there's nothing in it for me. Like I'm not trying to like, I'm not trying to do something for me. I just want people to know he's real. I want people to know how much they're loved by the father. Now, what if I had a ministry that I needed everybody to know me? Then, I would try to do whatever I could to get to the top. And on the way down, on the way there, I'm stepping on everybody no matter what. I'll tell them what I want them to hear. But the truth is, is I will step on everybody to get to where I need to be because they're in my way. And anybody that wants to interfere with that, I've got to get them out of my way. That's not the gospel, that's demonic. That's not Jesus at all. That's demonic strategy set up to get you to be Lord instead of Jesus. That's not acceptable. We can't afford to go out like that. So watch. Jesus says in verse 29, he says, take my yoke upon you. Watch this. Take my yoke upon you. For my yoke is easy and my burden, Jesus said. He has a burden. He has a burden. Guess what his burden is? To set you free from you. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Why? Because what's happened is your mind has been influenced by the demonic your whole life. People are like, no I was born in church. No, you were born in sin. I don't care if your mother gave birth to you on a pulpit. When you came out, you were born in sin. Sin. When you came out, you were born in sin. Like. I've got a three-year-old who's about to turn four. I got a seven-year-old, twelve-year-old, sixteen-year-old, twenty-six-year-old. Like, I got all that. Do you have to give a kid a book on selfishness when they're born? Can you imagine that? Here, honey, a first book. Let's do. I am selfish. Do you need to do that? Do you need to give kids a book on, on anger? No, you put a toy in between two kids, and you find out. That that was what they were born with. They were born with it. My four-year-old, who's going to be four. I was just talking to Mary Catherine in the back. Like, my kids need born again. <laughs> like, they're the sweetest, most lovable things. But man, that thing is there. Mine. You know what? Look. Mine might be their first word before mom. Might even before dad. Say it, mama. Mine. Like, for real. Like, do you, do you think that that's, like, just normal? No. So, yeah. You're like, mine, 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 mine. Every time I see Nemo, mine, 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 the seagulls. The reality of this thing is, we're all born with this. But when we get born again... God wants to cut that thing out of us completely so that the absolutely has nothing to do. And if mine isn't cut off, we bring mine into ministry. Then all of a sudden, this is my ministry. And if anybody doesn't like it, we're going to shut them up or shut them out. <sighs> Guys, listen to me. We come together and we worship, but you can't really worship unless you're worshiping in spirit and truth. And the truth is, is that selfishness is from the devil. It is demonic strategy. Jealousy. I'm pretty sure that's not from God, unless it's a godly jealousy. Godly jealousy, he talked about in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse, you know, verse, verse 1. He says, I, he says, oh, that you'd bear with me in a little foolishness, and indeed you do bear with me. For I've betrothed you to one husband. That's what he says. I've set you up with one husband. He's talking about Jesus. Talking about us being the bride of Christ. I've set you up with one husband. I've betrothed you to one husband as, so that I might present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. What is that? Like, how can you be that? Well, you have to see what Jesus wants to do. See, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The light burden that you're supposed to carry is knowing that you've come out of the world and you're no longer a part of it. But the world that's in you needs to change because Jesus doesn't come in just to change the wallpaper, When Jesus came into the temple and he came in there and they were doing stuff they shouldn't have been doing. What did Jesus do? Chill? He didn't chill. He came into the temple and he saw them doing things they weren't supposed to. Money changing tables, all kinds of stuff. What did Jesus do? He didn't tolerate it. He didn't go, well, you know, teach his own. No, he turned over the tables of the money changers. He flipped out inside the temple. It was crazy, because I'm teaching my kids that angry people need Jesus, right? And we're watching the Visual Bible. And I remember my little kid Zoe, she's, she's going to be 17. But she's watching this movie, and she's like five years old. And it's called the Visual Bible. It's the Gospel of John. It's pretty amazing. So we're watching it, and Jesus comes in and starts flipping tables. And she goes, Daddy, Jesus needs Jesus. <laughs> But I want you to understand this. Like when when Jesus comes in, picture this from a born-again standpoint. He comes into the temple and there's stuff in there that doesn't belong. So God's word is alive, sharp, and active. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Able to divide and separate your soul from your spirit. So because we don't have a love for God's word, we have a love to be taught it. We have a love to be taught God's word through somebody else, which isn't wrong to have teachers. But he said in Matthew 23, verses 9 and 10, call no one on earth your teacher, no, no one on earth your father. Back to back, call no one on earth your father, for you have one father. What does that mean? That no spiritual father has the right to rule and reign over God being your heavenly father. But because we have have so many people that want to step into spiritual fathering that they're considering them your father instead of pushing you to the father. Now you become the product of somebody else's ministry instead of the product of the ministry of Jesus. Amen. And I'm all for spiritual fathering. I mean, I am one. But I push the kids to the father every time. Like, there ain't no way. Like, oh, you're my dad. I, turn, go. Why? Because there'll be a time when you're calling me on the phone and I can't answer and you're an orphan on the other line. And it's not true because God said he'll never leave you nor forsake you, oh my gosh. So God says, call no one on earth your, actually Jesus said, and when Jesus spoke, he only spoke what the Father spoke. Am I okay on time? I know, but they told me I had more of a free freedom. That's not freedom can see in negative numbers. Negative numbers are not freedom from me. Not at all. I promise you. Freedom is when all of you get free from you. Freedom is when all of you get free from you, where I can be free from you and you can be free from me. That's the only way that we can truly love each other. Because when we don't have that freedom, we don't have love. Love keeps no record of... Love always hopes the... Love is... Patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't seek its own. Do you think that like, you offend Jesus? It's a hard one because a lot of people think a lot of different things. Do you think Jesus is hurt by you or do you think He hurts for you? Yeah, He's not hurt by you. You can't hurt love. Jesus was the visible image of the invisible. Jesus was the express image of the Father. When Jesus spoke, He was bringing correction. But Jesus wasn't speaking correction outside of love because love can't. So He says, take my yoke upon you for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Learn from me. Learn from me, Jesus says, learn from, learn from me. But because we, we get relationship in the beginning, where we get born again, we realize God's our Father. And now we're so excited about our new born again relationship, but we don't steward what we've been given. We don't learn from Jesus, we learn from people. And unfortunately when you learn from people they can give you their doctrine that comes from deep pain and hurt, and call it the gospel. And it's not the gospel because the gospel isn't deep pain and hurt. And then all of a sudden when offense comes, we take it so personal and we can't believe that they did what they did or said what they said. Because we've made them Lord in our hearts instead of Jesus being Lord. And all of a sudden we have a bunch of hurting people gathering in a building and having amazing worship but then still bickering, arguing, complaining and speaking Egyptian. Do you remember what happened when Ananias and Sapphira came in? That would be a great offering message. (laughs) Now, I'm not trying to, like, persuade anybody of what you want to do here, but. There are so many people that get so hurt over the money thing. it's, It's absolutely ridiculous. And if you're hurt because of money, mammon is your God. You can say what you want. If you're offended because of money, mammon is your God and God is not. Well what are you trying to say? If you're offended because of money, Jesus said, this is the least. We have to have faith with the least. So if we're not going to have faith in that, money is your Lord. Money makes an amazing servant but a terrible master. Come on, how many people have been hurt because of some financial stuff? Well, you don't understand. Where I'm at. No, no, no. Money's now your Lord because you don't trust in Him. All right. That didn't go at all. It never does. I'm not saying this for an offering. Do you understand? I'm not saying this for an offering. But God gives seed to the sower. If you don't sow, it's why you don't get seed. He gives seed to the sower, so if you can't sow, that's why you ain't getting. Because what you're getting, you're getting for yourself and you're in survival. The American dream. Get all you can, can all you get, sit on your can. That was just an extra bonus round right there. Get all you can, sit on your can. Get all you can, can all you get, sit on your can. Jesus says, let's back up. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light, and learn from me. For I am meek, lowly, and gentle. What does He say will happen? Then you will find rest for your soul. Watch this. He says, come to me, all of you are burdened and weighed down by life. Come, and I'll give you rest. So we come, it's born again first love it's you realize that God loved you first instead of you loving him first no you were in sin you were blind you had no idea how to love and then God said oh I touched you the Holy Spirit came in and it's like oh my God I feel light I feel amazing what is this it's the born-again experience it's when you first get touched by him (laughs) but if I don't learn from him I can never have true rest for my soul And my soul will be in a quandary, and I will incorporate Jesus in for maybe what he can get from me, or or what I can get from him. Like he's not your bellboy, he's not your sugar daddy, he's not your servant. And then all of a sudden I'm looking to get my value through being noticed. And what happens is, if we're not noticed in time, we will go somewhere else to maybe we can get noticed. And then we will gain our value. Through the praise of man, and then we die by the criticism of man. And all of a sudden we're doing a good job and we don't get praised, and we go somewhere else. Well, they'll notice us. It's it's worldwide, it's an epidemic. It's called the catastrophe of the demonic influence of the devil on the mindset of the church. And we come together, literally, but carry offense, carry anger, carry bitterness, and call it normal because everybody's going through it. That is not normal and that is not the gospel. God wants to completely change your inside so that you're fully in love and enveloped in His love, compassion, His care, His zeal. Why can't we touch people? Why can't we witness? Here's why. I want you to hear this is so important there was a lady in Luke 7 that busted into the Pharisees house, she comes in she busts into the Pharisees house she's got an alabaster jar it's an amazing portion of scripture she comes in, she breaks the jar there is one whole year's worth of wages that it would cost to buy this jar, so she breaks it and that day they didn't have a cap she had to bust it, when you bust it it's gone So she busts it and she pours out every bit of this fragrant oil on the feet of Jesus. And Pharisees are in the house. Christians are in the house. I need you to hear this. This is so powerful. Christians are in the house. Self-righteousness is the most dangerous thing that can ever touch your life. The righteousness of God is completely different. Self-righteousness is completely evil. It is full of evil. It is vile and it's detestable before God. So, you got this lady that busts in and she anoints Jesus' feet with her hair and her tears. She is crying, anointing with tears, and there are Pharisees over there wondering in their hearts if this woman really were from God, he would never let her touch him, for she is a sinner. Like they're gonna get defiled. If a sinner, look if a, if somebody that's in sin touches me, what's in me is going to get on them. Oh it's completely different. But if I'm not living, if I'm not living for Him then what happens is I can think that I might get dirty here. Jesus has no dirt in him. Jesus said things like the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. Nothing in me. Nothing in me. If the ruler could have something in Jesus, possibly, he said he has nothing in me, then it could be possible that the the ruler of this world could have something in you. So this lady washes Jesus' feet. She's crying. She's weeping. And Jesus says to Simon, Simon, because he knows what they're thinking. I love it. That means as a Christian, I can know what you're thinking. I love it. If I, I call people out on it sometimes, it's really fun. You were just thinking this. What? Oh no, no, no. I love you. It's okay. No, no, no. How can you know that? And, and The fear of the Lord just comes. Why? Because you're not hurting me by what you think, you're hurting yourself. Like I have so many people that say so many things, and then they'll say, how you doing brother? But I know what they thought before they said, how you doing brother? Could you handle it? You can't if you're offended. If you're hurt you can't handle it. But if you love, you can. Guys, I don't think God could release the things that He wants to release to the body of Christ because she so walks in hurt. But what if the person in front of you hated you, was talking about your back, talking behind your back, saying this and that and the other thing. Then they came and said, hey brother, people do it all the time. There are people in the room that think bad thoughts about me. I love you. It's okay. Because I'm free from you. Because I didn't gain acceptance from you. So you can't reject me because you didn't accept me. God did. And I'm free from that junk. I'm free from your accusation. I love. I know who I am behind the closed door. I know how I live. I know how I love. I know how I treat my family. I know. I know that. And God knows that. And so since we have this thing going, when someone comes with great accusation, it causes me to pray for them. Why? Because they've cursed me. So I bless them. I don't ever have to be offended or hurt again because I see why Jesus saved me. Gosh, so this lady, it, it, Jesus is getting his feet washed by her. And, and Simon, suppo- you know, he says, Simon, suppose you had two, both, both couldn't repay. Both of them owed a debt. And we're talking about this woman whose sins are many, right? So Simon, here's this example, one owes 10 million, let's just say, and one owes 100. Neither could repay. So he freely forgave them both. He said, which one would love more, or which one would be loved more? He says, it's easy, because it's mammon. Well, that's an easy example, the one who may forgave more. I mean, that's ten million dollars versus hundred dollars. My gosh, well, I would love more. So Simon says, you know, or Jesus says, you know what, you've chosen right, and this woman whose sins are many, come on, because she's been forgiven much. She will love much. Man, people told me when I first got born again, the reason why I love so much is how much I've I've been forgiven. And man, I bought that for a little while. For like three years. But I was struggling with it. Because they were saying, you know what? You have a great testimony. You were a drug addict. You were a thief. You were an atheist. You practiced witchcraft. You did all that stuff. I grew up in church. So here's what they're saying. They're saying that because I've been forgiven so much, that's the reason why I love so much. And there's truth to it. But I can tell you the truth here. The reason why we walk in unforgiveness is because we don't believe we've been forgiven. When's the last time you had a day not thinking about yesterday? When's the last time you had a week not thinking about a year ago? When's the last time you were able to have a whole year free from ever thinking about the things you wished you'd never done, or the things you wished were never done for you? That is the original truth of the gospel. Now listen, this is huge because unforgiveness is so rampant and hurt is so rampant inside of the church and we call it normal and we've adopted the way that seems right to a man. Inside of the church we've called it normal and we've come up with lots of ministries to try to root out each problem. But rooting out each problem takes a lifetime because there will always be more problems. Now you could either apply the blood for a clean sweep or you could try to revisit everything and take it out individually. I can tell you (laughs) that if I were to try to go back and take everything out individually, I'd never get to look forward because I'm constantly looking back. John the Baptist didn't say, behold the Lamb of God that forgives the sin of the world. He didn't say that. He said, behold the Lamb of God that takes away So if Jesus took it away, see the blood of animals, understand this, the old covenant, the blood of animals would atone for sin, but there was still the memory of sin. It was condemnation. The law produced condemnation, but Jesus didn't come with the law. He came to fulfill the law. Moses was given the ministry, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, the ministry of condemnation engraved on stones and that ministry resulted in condemnation but it had glory on it you got to hear this it's just the simple gospel she's so pretty it's okay i won't run her over she's like i won't be free before i get before i get selfish cause you think with me here think If Jesus paid a price to take away sin, there had to be something that happened with condemnation, with guilt and shame. Because with guilt, shame and condemnation, it produces unforgiveness. It breeds unforgiveness. It is found in the way that seems right to a man. In the Old Testament, it was what you had to do to be right with God. In the New Testament, it is what Jesus did to make you right with God. The Old Testament, with the blood of bulls and goats, When it covered over your sin on the day of atonement, it only cleansed outside but left inside condemned. The blood of Jesus didn't cleanse outside. The blood of Jesus washed the inside of the cup. So if the blood of Jesus comes and washes the inside of the cup, how much more, it says in Hebrews 9, shall the blood of Jesus cleanse your conscience. Your conscience, remember that guilty conscience? We grew up with it, guilty conscience. They're looking at me. Oh my gosh, they hate me. Oh, they don't like me. Come on, this is so big in the church, buddy. Well, I know they don't like me. I feel like they don't like me. I know they're looking at me. I know they're thinking bad things about me. Moment stares at you. All of a sudden, man, God couldn't even give you the revelation of what people are really thinking. Because if God gave you the revelation of really what people thinking, could you walk in forgiveness or would you walk in more pain and more hurt? God wants to free the body of Christ from walking in hurt and pain so that we can know the secret counsel of God. We can actually speak truth into someone's life instead of being offended by what they thought they knew. It's amazing freedom. I've gotten to live in it for 19 years and I've been through the ringer, buddy. I've been through so much stuff I can't talk about it publicly. I've been through the biggest, the biggest betrayals. The largest betrayals. You think that when you come to Jesus that the devil's going to back off? He doesn't say when someone gets born again, well let's leave them alone, let's move on to someone else. No! He wants to stop you from knowing that you're loved by God. He wants to crush that thing. He wants to disable your love walk in here. He wants you to go through the motions and go to church, incorporate Jesus in for what he can get from you or what he can give you. All of a sudden, when he doesn't show up, you get angry and say, God doesn't answer my prayers, but you really didn't surrender, you just incorporated. We've incorporated him in for what we can get from him, but we didn't give him our life for what he can do through us, but that's different. That's what God's calling us to. He's not calling us just to bring him in for a better day. He's calling us to rise up as righteous warriors, holy, set apart, in the world, but not of it. He's calling you to be completely clean. He's calling you to burn with indignation and fire. He's calling you to believe the gospel. America is messed up right now. And God's looking for warriors. He's looking for us to drop our stuff. Let go of all your offense. He's calling you to get free. I'm talking about real freedom. Not being upset because somebody didn't praise you and worship you. Not being offended because you said something that people didn't agree with. The altar is open. I'm talking about people that wanna really go after God. Who do you say that Jesus is? Why don't you come up here and get free? Why don't you come up here and surrender? Why don't you come up here to burn for Jesus? Let's not hold back. Stop letting offense rule your life. Stop letting offense rule your life. Do something about it. Do something about it. Let's burn with the fire of heaven instead of talking like we're Christians. Let's actually get completely, thoroughly marked by the fear of the Lord. That's what we need. Come on, come on. Guys, God loves you, but he wants you to be free. He wants you to be free. Let's not be offended anymore. Let's drop our stuff. Let's drop our offense. Let's go after Jesus like never before. Would you do that with me?